Welcome to What's Up Wednesday. In these short episodes, I will summarize a recent study or journal article related to obesity management and discuss how to incorporate this latest science into your clinical practice. And of course, I'll be sure to include links to the articles in the show notes. So let's jump in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What's Up Wednesday on the Gaining Health Podcast. My name is Carly Burridge, your host, and today I'm excited to be discussing the American Association of Clinical Endocrinology Consensus Statement on Comprehensive Type 2 Diabetes Management Algorithm, the 2023 update. So this was released in the AACE Endocrine Endocrine Practice uh, of the AACE Consensus Statement, Volume 29, Issue 5, in May of 2023. So this algorithm for the management of people with type 2 diabetes includes 11 distinct sections. So we're going to talk about uh, just a few of them, but the 11 distinct sections include, one, the principles for the management of type 2 diabetes. Two, complication-centric model for the care of persons with overweight and obesity. So we're going to focus on that one. Three, the pre-diabetes algorithm, which I'm very excited about and will definitely review as well. And then four, the atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk reduction algorithm and dyslipidemia. Five, the atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk reduction algorithm on hypertension. Six, the complications-centric algorithm for glycemic control. Number seven, the glucose-centric algorithm for glycemic control. Number eight, the algorithm for adding or intensifying insulin. Number nine, profiles of antihyperglycemic medications. And then 10 profiles of weight loss medications, which is a new one, which we'll address. And finally, 11 vaccine recommendations for people with diabetes, and this is also new, which summarizes recommendations from the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices of the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. So we're going to start out with the 10 principles of the AACE Comprehensive Type 2 Diabetes Management Algorithm. Okay, so these are the 10 overlying principles principles. So these are really important. Number one is that lifestyle modification underlies all therapy. Can we just repeat that again? Lifestyle modification underlies all therapy, right? This is so important. I I went into medicine because I wanted to focus on lifestyle modification. And, and while we realize that for the treatment of obesity or diabetes, lifestyle modification alone may not be sufficient for everybody, but it certainly is the cornerstone for everything that we do, right? So lifestyle modification is super important. And then two, to maintain or achieve optimal weight. So again, they've really put weight management front and center here when we're managing type 2 diabetes. Number three is that the choice of antihyperglycemic therapy reflects glycemic targets, but also... Uh, cardiovascular disease, CHF, chronic kidney disease, overweight and obesity, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So we really need to be looking at all of these things when we're choosing 
are anti-hyperglycemic agents. And number four, that the choice of therapy includes ease of use and access. You know, access to care is such an issue. And this is something that we need to keep in mind and something that they address in this consensus statement. Number five is that optimal A1C is less than 6.5% or as close to normal as is safe and achievable for most patients. So again, we have to take safety into account. And you know, when the risk of hypoglycemia with certain agents can be a real risk, we need to keep that in mind. Uh, but now that we have some of these newer agents available, where hypoglycemia is much less of a risk, we can set lower targets, right? And really to get as close to normal as we can. Number six is to individualize all glycemic targets, right? So that includes targets like hemoglobin A1C, fasting blood glucose, postprandial glucose, and things like that. Number seven is to get to goal as soon as possible. So within three months or less is what the recommendation here is. Number eight is to avoid hypoglycemia. We know that it is not only very uncomfortable and scary for patients, it is dangerous. So whatever we can do to avoid hypoglycemia, potentially avoid using those agents. And again, this is my language here. Avoid using those agents that can put the patient at risk for hypoglycemia. Choose agents that reduce that risk. Number nine, they recommend that CGM, continuous glucose monitoring, is highly recommended to assist patients in reaching goals safely. So we're seeing more and more use of CGMs, and I think they are amazing and the future for, for a lot of this diabetes management as well as obesity management, right? It's important to know how certain foods affect our blood sugar levels. And then 10, Comorbidities must be managed for comprehensive care. All right, so those are their 10 guiding principles uh, for the algorithm. So next we're gonna go into a little bit more in depth in some of these sections that they talked about. So obviously on this podcast, we talk mostly about obesity and, and weight. So we're gonna review their complication-centric model for the care of persons with overweight or obesity. Uh, which, you know, the adiposity-based chronic disease is the term that ACE likes to use for obesity. So ABCD, adiposity-based chronic disease, which I think is a great term. And uh, I wish it uh, was used more often because I really think it reflects what the condition is so much better than the word obesity, right? So they have a, a three-step approach. Step number one is assessing BMI, Okay. Then step number two is assessing the stage of obesity using the ACE staging system. So in the ACE staging system, stage one would be no complications of obesity or of A, B, C, D. Stage two is mild to moderate complications of A, B, C, D. And then stage three is one or more severe complications of A, B, C, D or obesity. And then the third step is implementing a plan based on BMI and staging. And this plan includes nutrition, physical activity, sleep, counseling, medications, and potentially other interventions, including metabolic and bariatric surgery. 
And so I thought it was interesting too. They have specific recommendations, you know, for these different behaviors like nutrition, physical activity, sleep, you know, those types of things. And so they actually made a recommendation for a structured diet with meal replacements for those of BMI 27 or greater and or stage three a, B, C, D. So they specifically mentioned meal replacements, which I thought was interesting and is in line with the evidence, right? The evidence does support that. And then for physical activity, they went kind of beyond recommending the usual physical activity guidelines of 150 minutes per week, plus resistance training two to three times a week. And they actually went on to recommend structured exercise programs with oversight and accountability for patients with stage two and three A, B, C, D. Um, So I I think that's interesting. It could be very helpful to have that additional oversight and accountability rather than just um, reaching those uh, goals on their own. And then they also recommended a formal sleep study for patients with a BMI over 27 and with stage three complications. So, So higher stages and higher levels of obesity with more complications, they recommend a formal sleep study. And then the rest of the recommendations that they made in terms of medications and bariatric surgery were kind of more more as expected. But I just thought it was interesting that they had some pretty specific recommendations for some of these lifestyle factors as well, which are sometimes lacking. And then for their pre-diabetes algorithm, which I think this is great. So this is the first time that we've seen an algorithm for the treatment of pre-diabetes And prediabetes is so often ignored in primary care and in medicine in general, but it really, it it describes a disease state, right? Prediabetes isn't just you're at risk for diabetes. There are complications that are happening during prediabetes. And we all know that, you know, insulin resistance starts 10 to 15 years before blood sugar ever starts to be elevated. So we need to start taking prediabetes seriously. And so now we have a prediabetes algorithm that couldn't that we can refer back to. So what is considered prediabetes? So this is the impaired fasting glucose uh, of 100 to 125 milligrams per deciliter or an A1C between 5.7 to 6.4% uh, or those patients that have metabolic syndrome. So the goals they state are to prevent progression to diabetes to prevent the progression of NAFLD or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, to improve cardiovascular risk factors, and to prevent excess weight gain and promote weight loss, and lastly, to improve functionality and quality of life. So the lifestyle interventions that they recommend include nutrition, physical activity, sleep hygiene, and healthy habits. And they divided it up into patients that either do or do not have overweight or obesity. So if the patient does have overweight or obesity, they set a weight loss goal of seven to 10% or more for those patients. And that's of course based on studies like the diabetes prevention trial, right? Which showed that a 7% or more weight reduction was able to reduce the risk of progressing to type two diabetes by 58%, right? And then the medications that they recommend are GLP-1 receptor agonists or phentermine and topiramate extended release. And then they go on to say that if the patient has persistent hyperglycemia with these agents, so if they still have a fasting glucose over 100 or a two-hour postprandial glucose over 140, then to go on to the other section, 
uh, where the other medications are listed, uh, which are to add metformin, pioglitazone, or acarbose. And then they also say to consider metabolic and bariatric surgery for those patients with prediabetes and overweight or obesity. So if the patient does not have overweight or obesity, they say that the goal is to treat the dysglycemia. And the medications that they recommend to do this include metformin, pioglitazone, and acarbose. And then if the patient does go on to develop overt diabetes, to then move on to the glycemic control algorithms or the glucocentric algorithm for glycemic control. So in the profiles that they have for their anti-hyperglycemic agents, they have the effects of weight listed for each agent, which I thought was awesome. Uh, And it says either if there was weight loss, slight loss, whether it was weight neutral or more likely promote promote weight gain. And they also have the costs of these medications listed, you know, whether they're high cost, low cost, intermediate. Uh, So I think this is great that they're also really paying attention to that access to care and the cost of medications. And they also have an entire profile of anti-obesity medications, which they do refer to as weight loss medications. Um, And this includes the average weight loss seen with these medications, the delivery method used for these medications, the starting and treatment dose of the medications, potential side effects, as well as cautions and contraindications, and again, access or cost of these medications, which we all know is an important factor when choosing therapy for our patients. So in conclusion, I'm going to read their their conclusion, and they say that, quote, aligning with the 2022 ACE Diabetes Guideline update This 2023 diabetes algorithm update emphasizes lifestyle modification and treatment of overweight and obesity as key pillars in the management of prediabetes and diabetes mellitus and highlights the importance of appropriate management of atherosclerotic risk factors of dyslipidemia and hypertension. One notable new theme is an emphasis on complication-centric approach beyond glucose levels to frame decisions regarding first-line pharmacologic choices for the treatment of persons with diabetes. The algorithm also includes access and cost of medications as factors related to the health equity to consider in clinical decision-making, end quote. So I really highly recommend that you check this document out. They have made it very practical and they use these beautiful color-coded visuals to go along with their guidelines and recommendations. And these can be very useful for you to print out and have access to in your clinic. And it's also a really great document to reference if you're ever being either questioned by an insurance provider or you're giving a presentation or perhaps you're being questioned by your patients or other clinicians in terms of uh, your choice of therapies. And so it can be a really great resource to have on hand. And, you know, the field of obesity and metabolic disease management is rapidly evolving, as we're all seeing. So I hope that this episode of the Gaining Health Podcast is a helpful way for you to stay abreast of the latest guidelines and recommendations so that you can best serve your patients. And as always, you can find a link to the full consensus statement in the show notes, and I will see you back next week for another episode of the Gaining Health Podcast. We'll see you then. 
thank you so much for joining us on the Gaining Health Podcast. Don't forget to review and subscribe. And if you really liked it, consider supporting us on Patreon. Lastly, if you need resources and tools to help you start an obesity management program, be sure to check out gaininghealth.com. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on the Gaining Health Podcast.